Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, you can find me on social media or my blog at I Never Liked Pink. So today I'm super excited to have my guest here. Her name is Dr. Shirley Madare, and she is the founder of Holistic Plastic Surgery in New York, one of the premier facilities and plastic surgeons in New York. And she comes from a really interesting background. She studied classical ballet, numerous languages and, and biology. And that really led her to a love of how the body works and which brought her to where she is today. She has multiple degrees and surge in her surgical background for plastic surgery, but she's also a certified integrative nutrition doctor. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Perfect. And She believes in what we're going to talk about today, that beauty really emanates from within, and that really leads to better health, because if we feel beautiful on the outside, it really helps us feel better on the inside. And so her practice is all about bringing the mind and the body together. And today we're going to talk about emotional wellness and how that goes together with physicality to help us create our most beautiful selves. So Dr. Shirley, welcome. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I think we're done. You said everything. I mean, <laughs> I mean that introduction was was far was so great, gracious, and beautiful. And abs- I'm not sure if I deserve it, but thank you for that glorious introduction. And I promise I will try my best not to disappoint, except for the fact that I'm wearing pink today. Well, and you never it's, liked pink. It's funny because. Prior to my own breast cancer journey, I grew up with it in my family. My grandmother passed from metastatic breast cancer and I was always a supporter of her and what she was going through. And, but I was never really a pink girl. I was green. I was purple, like all these other bright, really vibrant colors. And then once I received my cancer diagnosis, I'm like, well, hell, I'm just going to go with the pink. So I have a pink ribbon tattoo with boxing gloves on it. My entire desk area is pink. So it's very tongue in cheek. So, and you look fabulous in your pink, by the way. Thank you so very much. Well, I hope with this conversation today that we can embrace pink in a different way and we can yes. sort of disassociate it from what you know, society has taught us to mean. So that's sure. one. And congratulations on your surviving and thriving. Yes, that is my goal. And and that's a whole nother episode about the whole pink cancer culture. And now I'm going to yes. save that one for October because that's a lot to be broken down. But tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis, which I know is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying not to make it be a lot, but yes, it's a lot on a daily basis, but it's all you know, things that I love. Um, I am a woman. I'm a woman on a mission. And that mission is to help to make the world a more beautiful place from the inside out. I am a plastic surgeon. I am very traditionally trained, having gone through five years of general surgery residency, and then two years of plastic surgery residency, and then an additional year of cosmetic plastic surgery training. So I am very traditionally trained. I come from a long line of healers and leaders and teachers and artists. So I really think my purpose, actually, I'm coming to know and believe that my purpose is to be a leader in the healing arts. And it just so happens that I've chosen to do that through plastic surgery. I love that. I've never heard that phrase before, a leader in the healing arts. And I made it up, Michelle, because that's it, what resonates with me. And that's what feels well, good it's, and sounds it's perfect good because I have been all over your websites, <laughs> website elementsandgraces.com, correct? Yes, ma'am. And yes. there's so much, and we're going to talk about all those things as well. But you really have, you've taken your your medical knowledge and then reached out for more because you saw that it really should be incorporating wellness and nutrition into the whole picture. And so you founded your practice, holistic plastic surgery. So tell us why you did that. I did that for a number of reasons. Um, There is a very poignant um, experience that I had early on 
in my practice. And it was I that I operated on a patient and did what I thought was a very straightforward liposuction operation. And everything went well. Results were beautiful. No complications, no side effects. Absolutely everything went swimmingly, textbook perfection, if that even exists. And yet during follow-up, his wife came to see me also during his follow-up. And when he disrobed, I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, you have a fantastic result. This looks great. But yet they weren't happy. And I further asked questions as to why they didn't seem as joyous as I was. Because I'm sure you've seen so many procedures that you've done and not all of them can be as perfect as that one, but there was something going on inside emotionally with, with that patient and his wife. Absolutely. You hit it on the head, Michelle. Thank you. So when I asked further additional questions, they basically asked me, well, I'm black and blue all over. And this really so far doesn't feel great, even though you're telling me everything is great. Um, what am I missing? And that's when I had something go off in my head. And I thought, wow, it isn't just about the technique. It isn't just about the operation going perfectly step by step. It's about how the patient feels, how the patient perceives that they feel and perceive Mm -hmm. that they look. And so I had to go deeper. And that's when my journey began because that patient taught me that it wasn't just all about me and my surgery and my technique. So that's when my holistic journey began. And that's when I coined the term, I actually made it up, holistic plastic surgery. And the slogan is person before procedure. I love that. And, and looking over your website, it's very obvious that that is what your practice is all about. So if you, if you could say you had a mission or a philosophy, what, what would those be in your own words? In my own words, that would probably be to help people find their own version of what is beautiful to them from the inside out. In my opinion, beauty and wellness emanate from within. And certainly I complemented from the outside with injectables, with surgery, with, you know, chemical peels, it's vitamin infusions, all the things that I am trained to do. Yes, of course, I can complement that beauty and that wellness, but truly to feel it, to own it, to live long and prosper with it, it has to be felt deeply from the inside. So I hope that in my consultations with my patients, that I can help them to arrive at that place and that space where they're owning it. And I'm just coming along with them on the journey as a partner to help them optimize and maximize those results. Well, it is, it is super important. I have gone through post, uh, after my cancer, I had a bilateral mastectomy, my, my second diagnosis. Um, I had one in each breast. So first time, 2012, second time, 2017, then I went the bilateral mastectomy route with re- with reconstruction. And on one side, I had a latissimus back flap okay. because I had been previously radiated on that radiated. side. Okay. And in, in all of that time with my reconstruction, I went through, I had liposuction done for, for to round things out That's and, right. and it's a lot. And a even lot. no matter what I went through and having the cancer out of my body, I was still emotionally like, Ooh, wow. Liposuction. It, it hurts for one thing. And the recovery <laughs> is like, Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, my, my bottom of my abdomen was really flat after that, which was great, yeah. Yeah. but it's, it's challenging. And then in the bruising and stuff, a lot of time you don't know what truly to expect, especially when you're in the cancer community, because their main focus is getting the cancer out of your body and giving you a sense of normalcy, but you've really taken that a step further. And I'm sure you've dealt with some patients who've gone through breast cancer and such, but it's really you've, you've found that in your practice with that patient and I'm sure others that you needed more. And so you've incorporated, you went and had further training to become an integrative doctor, which on top of that is, is stellar. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I decided that it was important for me to do more, to ask more, to help more. And so all the things that I have done, including studying homeopathy, And indeed, going and getting that certificate of integrative nutrition, um, that was a year-long study, I felt that those were all important to help me to help my patients. Now, that doesn't mean that if doctors aren't doing that, that they're not great doctors, amazing surgeons. Of course they are. It's just my approach. And I know that I'm not for everyone, but for me, based on my background, 
my culture, my experiences, my training, a combination of so many factors, I felt that it was important for me to be able to help round things out, as you said, integrate all of these concepts, use as many dimensions of wellness as I could, and really help to create an experience that would last, hopefully, positively for a lifetime. It's like you're the one-stop shop. (laughs) (laughs) In a way, yes, but in a way, no, I don't do all kinds of surgery, that's for sure. But I do try to get to know my patient as best as I can. I also try to get my patient to know herself or himself as best as possible so that we bring that collective knowledge together, go to the operating room together and emerge triumphant together. I definitely can appreciate, can appreciate that. And I wanted to ask you, and this, this isn't trying to be a, you know, F the patriarchy type question, <laughs> but do you feel that as, as a female surgeon, you have a, a better understanding of women when they're coming in for what they want, because you can identify with the needs of their own body. I have to say some of my male colleagues are really good at that. They're really good. Mm-hmm. So I won't dismiss the patriarchy at all. <laughs> after, after all the patriarchy has taught me and I am grateful to my mentors and teachers. I will say that for me, personally speaking, I do try to relate So Mm -hmm. I do take the extra time in the consultations. My initial consultations can be up to two hours, which I know may not necessarily be the most efficient use of time, but for me it is. So I really do try to get to know my patient. And even though I may not be experiencing the same condition or the same thing that my patient is experiencing, I do my best to listen and to try to relate and to try to see and feel their perspective, which is not always possible. Which is so important. And it's really not to say that a woman is best because I I will honestly say that I met with a few different plastic surgeons and one of them was a woman and I did not feel her. She, we did not mesh. And at that point I I was, this was when I was first deciding whether I was going to get a lumpectomy or a mastectomy the first time around. And I just, I didn't feel her. And I ended up going with a lumpectomy at that time, not because of the, the lack of connection, but my next plastic surgeon that I met when I was considering my mastectomy, we clicked. She yeah. literally just, it's, it's really about being your own advocate and it doesn't matter whether it's male or female, it's finding that person who makes you feel heard. And hundred percent. I especially appreciate the long consultation because someone who's coming in to see you for whatever type of procedure they're doing, whether it's a surgery or the the chemical peels or the injections or whatever, you need to know why they're doing it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And not just why, but what they're working with, what their motivations are. I also remember, and getting back to your point about how surgery and the entire experience can be emotional, I had another experience with a patient who came in and wanted four or five different operations. Now, clearly I wasn't going to do that, but before saying no to her, I had to ask about her motivations. Why these four or five and why in such a short period of time, what is going on? The further I delved into the conversation and the discussion, I came to find out that her husband had left her for a younger woman and Mm. she wanted to completely remake herself in an attempt to win her husband back. Mm. Now, at that point, I commiserated. I understood. I empathized, sympathized, all of it. I pushed forward a box of tissues and I said to her, I am so sorry. We cannot do all of these operations One of the reasons being not safe. Second reason being no matter what I do, no matter how fabulous you look, these operations will not bring your husband back. And she Mm -hmm. had a moment and I had a moment and she just started crying and I apologize. I hope I didn't insult her, but you're right. It is deeply emotional, especially the motivations why people would have surgery or want surgery or choose one breast reconstruction option versus another deeply emotional. And it's, that is so important. It is, it is, you are, you are acting as a counselor as well as a surgeon and a holistic doctor, because it really all is so important. That was actually my next question because I, you know, I know women who are going in for whether it's facial or breast reconstruction, it's you, you're 100% doing the right thing. And you know, that making sure it's not for the wrong reasons. And 
it's, it's a very personal decision on how we want our bodies to be. And sometimes that does require some sort of manipulation or surgery, but knowing that they're there and they have the right headset and the right mindset is super important. Yes, I agree with you. It is very important. And speaking specifically to breast reconstruction options, oh my goodness, there's so many factors you have to consider. What what stage of cancer, how much surgery has been done, the extent of surgery, how much tissue has been removed, what tissues you, you have available, um, your, uh, your general state of health, um, what you want your results to look like. Are you choosing implants? Are you not choosing implants? There are so many factors to consider in just making that one decision that of course you need the support. You need the psychological support. You need the emotional support. You need the resilience. And many times patients will not have that resilience based on what they're going through, right? So there's so much going on. It is a systemic experience. It is not just an operation. It is a holistic experience where everything, everything that your life is, in, your life is involved on every level. 100%. And on that note, we are going to head out to take a short break because we have so much more to talk about. But listeners, remember, you can make a donation to Breast Friends on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. You can also go on our website and check out patient programs to see what Breast Friends can do for you. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. My Care Crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable. They offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients, caregivers, and their loved ones. The mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day-to-day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more. You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and this is Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. And my guest is Dr. Shirley Madare. She is the founder of Holistic Plastic Surgery in New York. And we're here today really talking about how to incorporate the, the body and mindfulness and wellness into surgery decisions and really to help nurture and beautify our souls along with our body. So Dr. Shirley, I want to kind of jump um, into the cancer part a little bit. Have you in your practice time worked with women who are going through a cancer diagnosis and then into the reconstruction or whatever process they, they choose? Yes, I have worked with many patients who have a diagnosis of breast cancer, and I have initially led some of those patients to help make the decisions that would help them to go into remission and to be cancer-free. Initially, early on in my practice, I did have a lot of experience with patients and breast reconstruction surgery. I no longer perform that surgery, but I do still see some patients who have that diagnosis who initially come to me to ask how it is that they can begin to approach uh, this diagnosis and also ask for referrals for breast reconstruction specialist in plastic surgery. So I'm sure at that point in your practice, that was also something that really led you to see that it's so emotional, especially with women, because we are for myself, I can speak for myself that when 
the choice for me after I had my bilateral mastectomy was I wanted to have reconstruction. I am, I'm, I'm five, nine. I'm a average size woman in the United States. I'm, you know, I've got but hips. You are and, extraordinary. I've, I am. I'm fabulous. I have, but I've got, I've got hips. I've got my butt. Like I felt for me, I still needed to have decent sized breasts to, to be balanced, 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 but it's, it's a, it's a process. And I'm so thankful that when I went into my plastic surgeon and talked about what was going on and, you know, she gave me options, but she also led me to what she thought was best for me, but explained all of those things. Yes. I do think it is important because there are so many options. It is very important to be able to have those discussions, lengthy discussions with your plastic surgeon to make sure that you make the choice that you would be happy with and that you find balance and harmony. Yes. And one thing I never asked her, but I always meant to. So I'm going to ask you because you're a captive audience here. So my, my implants are underneath my chest muscle muscle. Yes. Is it true that many cosmetic implants are over the muscle? Yes. Some cosmetic implants or breast implants for cosmetic Mm -hmm. purposes can certainly be be over the muscle or on top of the muscle. In my practice, I primarily choose to place them under the muscle and having them under the muscle provides an extra layer of protection, so to speak. But throughout the world, there are implants that are placed above the muscle indeed. Now, what is it? So just to give them more support, is that the main reason to do it? Well, not only more support, but again, an extra layer of protection, so to speak, mm-hmm. so that you don't necessarily feel the implant so readily and not, and also not, not that this would necessarily happen, but it also helps to prevent your being able to see the contours of the implant. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know that. And because some women have very thin tissues for the skin and the fat. So it's very thin and placing an implant directly underneath that fatty tissue or on top of the muscle may not necessarily be the most aesthetically pleasing outcome, especially on a very thin woman. Is that an easier recovery process to go on top of the muscle? Because the muscle is not disrupted, because the muscle is is not incised in any way. So yes, placing an an implant above the muscle would be less painful. (laughs) Now, have you also created actual new nipples for people? Like the the ones that actually like, I guess, stay erect all the time? (laughs) In the past, I have done that. And there Mm -hmm. are many ways to do that. So after um, some of the stages of the breast reconstruction are completed, one of the final stages is nipple and areola reconstruction construction. Mm-hmm. And even on top of that, there are some women who are happy with their nipple and a real reconstruction. However, there are some women who say yes, that they want their nipples to be a bit more um, erect, <laughs> or a bit more mm-hmm. um, just, you know, just add well, attention a little bit more. And, and there you can actually add injectable fillers. Interesting. I didn't know that for me, I always thought that I'm like, okay, I'm going to have my nipples reconstructed. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, I like wearing little flat tank tops all the time. And so I didn't want to worry about that. So I went the tattoo route. Good for you. (laughs) And the beautiful thing is that thankfully there are options. There are options from the beginning to the, to the very end. There are some women who choose not to have reconstruction at all. And Mm -hmm. there are some women who choose to go through the stages as you have to be able to feel more balanced. So thankfully there are numerous options for women. There are. And I remember my doctor talking to me when I was in there, one of the options she mentioned was a deep flap mm-hmm. where you take muscle and, and fat from your abdomen generally and yes. bring it up into your breasts. And at the time I, you would never believe it now, but I'm like, okay, can we do that for me? Cause I just wanted options. And she's like, no, you don't have enough of the right, right fat at the, in That's your it. abdomen at the time. And I was like, yeah. seriously, Come yeah. on. Can, and I'm like, can you take it from my butt? She's like, no, yeah. I can't take it from your butt. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Right. So that is one of the things that has to be taken into consideration. Do you have enough tissue to perform for the surgeon to perform an autologous or using your own tissue breast reconstruction? So you may have thought, oh yeah, I've got plenty, but the surgeon thought, uh-uh, <laughs> not, not so fast. <laughs> sister. I hadn't, I hadn't gone through menopause yet at this point, I'd be good to go. <laughs> <laughs> now you've obviously 
previously in your practice dealt with, you know, the breast cancer reconstruction, but now even with the women who are coming in, you, you really want them to feel beautiful in their own bodies. What, if someone wants to reach out to you or any plastic surgeon, what are the questions they should be asking of you to get the best experience? Well, they should ask of me certainly what I'm comfortable performing, right? There are some things that I no longer perform. I have patients who come in asking me for, you know, buttock implants. I no longer do those, right? And and I don't, that's not something I enjoy doing. They should also ask Mm -hmm. me what operations I do enjoy. We should have a long conversation during our consultation about what I see and versus what they see. And then we should come to a decision about what it is that is feasible, what is appropriate for them, what is in harmony and in balance, and certainly how we can proceed together. Um, I've had patients ask me how many of certain types of procedures that I do. That's fine. Um, I very readily tell them if I'm not comfortable with doing something that I refer out. I have lots of amazing colleagues to whom I may refer. And then I think one of the things that is really important for patients, because there are lots of you know, articles and p- with um about how to choose your surgeon. And for some people, it's a number of operations. For other people, it's credentials. For other people, it's, you know, are you in my hometown? For other people, it's word of mouth. Whatever is the most important for that patient, I think they should take into consideration. However, there's one thing that's not often mentioned, and that is your gut feeling. Is Mm -hmm. there a connection? Do you like this surgeon? Do you feel safe with the surgeon? Do you feel confident that, yes, if the most fantabulous result happens. Of course, you'll be happy. But what if a complication happens? Would you feel comfortable knowing that that surgeon is going to be there by your side, holding your hand or reassuring you or doing the right thing and helping you to recover fully, holistically and completely? So I like to tell my patients, how did you feel? You know, I like to ask them how they felt. And then Mm -hmm. I also like to advise patients in general that they should go with their gut because that's a very important part of the body. Yes. And, and you, you are a a physician first and foremost, do no harm. So you want your patients to feel that comfort with you. And I'm sure if a patient has a consult with you and they choose to go with someone else, it's like, okay, I'm not offended because you're not going to like everybody. That's right. I know I'm not for everyone. I applaud. I tell them straight up front. I say, listen, I'm giving you this information or we're having this consultation so that you have more knowledge so that if you were to go with someone else, that you at least are armed with additional questions or topics that perhaps you hadn't even thought about so that you make sure you're making the best decision for you. I very much understand. And I'm grateful for the fact that I am not for everyone and I shouldn't be. Um, But I do believe that part of my purpose is to help educate as well as to empower. I love that. And I can, I feel you because I know that I'm not for everyone and I'm a lot sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but you're fabulous. A a lot of fabulous. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you are confirmed. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. I'm just going to chat with you every day to get my, get my, my, my attitude up. Um, so I would have done my job, right? Perfect. What what else are we here for? It's all about love. It's all about love. So as someone who has gone through reconstruction and has implants, I know that in years, I'm going to have to replace them. And I believe that my plastic surgeon mentioned 10 to 15 years. That is correct. Why is that? And what kind of a surgery does that entail? Well, you know, they're products, they are implants, they are manufactured, and they have a shelf life. So even though 10 to 15 years is a wide enough range, we all know that implants, like everything else in the world, will age. They are products. They are constantly interacting with your tissues. Your body's changing. Things are dynamic. And even though the implants are relatively like inert, they just sit there and you know provide a contour and a shape, et cetera. They too will age. They too have a shelf life. And for, the, for, your, for your best health and ideal results, you should change them between 10 to 15 years. That may involve something as quote unquote simple as replacing the implant. That Mm -hmm. may involve having to remove some tissue or scar that formed around the implant. That may involve sizing up, sizing down. That may involve, depending on how your body has changed, doing a breast lift at the same time. Also, depending on what you want and what your aim is, your aesthetic aims, maybe a small 
you know, reduction, a little liposuction, mm-hmm. a little bit more contouring, your body has changed throughout the years. And because the implants don't change as much or don't change commensurate with the dynamism of your own body, they too have to get, they too get to a point where they too should change. Now, say someone is eight years out and they just, they feel something different. What should women who have implants be looking out for in terms of there's a problem? Most definitely they should call their surgeon and make an appointment for a consultation and a follow-up to discuss what the possibilities are. It's possible that capsular contracture, which means, you know, an abnormal scarring around the breast implant could be forming. And there are stages of capsular contraction from, you know, zero to nothing to all the way to extreme. And so that is a diagnosis that really ought to be investigated. So if a patient is feeling that something is just not right, go with the feeling, make Mm -hmm. the appointment for the consultation and get to the bottom of what's really going on with those implants. There has to be a level of vigilance that accompanies any patient who has a foreign body, meaning an implant in his or her body. Now, I I definitely had experienced some capsular contracture where on my left breast, where I had my latissimus back flap because I had been radiated Mm -hmm. and it was for latissimus back flap, for those of you who don't know, they literally take skin and muscle from your back. They wrap it around magically underneath your armpit and they bring it out to your breast. I have on my left breast, a scar that looks like a football shape and which is literally skin and muscle from my back. It's crazy. One day I literally looked down and I'm like, I was telling my husband, look, look, he's like, what? I'm like, there's hairs there. He's like, what are you talking about? And freckles. Cause it was from my back. I mean, not long hair. I'm not hairy, but you know what I mean? So it's definitely, Amazing. it's an interesting, um, interesting procedure that all they can do, but what are some of the risks from possibly having implants? What those are, that definitely is one of the risks, capsular contracture, um, scarring, uh, bleeding, um, hematoma, excessive bleeding. And this is obviously right after the operation, but long t- infection a week out, you know, three mm-hmm. months out, et cetera, um, deformity, right. And that, that could be a result of capsular contracture, or it could just be the result of, you know, perhaps over time doing certain types of activities and having, you know, the breast shift the breast implants shift on one side and maybe not on, on the other, depending on someone's build, someone's musculature, their activity, et cetera, uh, puncture, deflation, leaking, all of these things can, can happen over time. These are some of the potential, um, complications or some of the things that may occur with breast implants, which is why I mentioned that anyone who has any kind of implant, whether it's chin or chest or breast or buttock, there has to be a certain level of actually a high level of vigilance when it comes to monitoring what's going on in your body with these implants. Yeah. So hundred percent important to listen to your body. And if you have questions, call your doctor. And I forgot why I started that whole like capsular contractual thing. I actually found relief from myofascial therapy. Yes. I have an amazing myofascial therapist and she looked, cause my breast was literally rock hard and mm-hmm. she literally over a few sessions went in and did just amazing work and has taught me how to do it myself. So whenever I feel like it tightening up, I just go in and I do the holds and the pulls and all these things. It's amazing. So cannot recommend myofascial therapy enough as adjunct to all of the other things that are out there. I'm glad that you mentioned that because that brings me to the point of touch, human touch, Mm. right? Because that massage actually is really important. So continue to, you know, massage your breast or, you know, touch yourself, if you will, because that, that movement, that massage, that self-care is very important. Definitely. And we do have so much more to talk about, but we are going to take another quick break. So listeners, please stay with us. If you would like to be my guest or submit your warrior story for me to read on the show, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. My Care Crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable. They offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients, caregivers, and their loved ones. The mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day-to-day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more. You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today. 
Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Dr. Shirley Madare, and we are talking about her holistic plastic surgery practice and all of the things that go into that. And she has spent years doing the work to really help her patients come out feeling beautiful and fulfilled. So one more question before we really dig into all the other things that Elements and Graces do does. What... Um, there are women who choose to not have reconstruction after a, a cancer diagnosis when they have their breasts removed. Can you talk about some of the, the options, maybe staying flat or some other, other things that you've seen in your practice? Well, I have seen early in my practice, I have seen women who have chosen not to undergo breast reconstruction after a diagnosis of breast cancer, and they obviously undergo all the treatments to uh, eliminate the cancer or to go into remission. But in terms of reconstruction, they have chosen indeed to not have any breasts reconstructed. So they will stay flat or they will delay their reconstruction. They will say, you know what? I need time. I need time to process everything that's going on in my life. I need time to process that. I have this diagnosis and I want time to heal. And maybe later I will reconsider whether or not I will just have implants or I will have autologous or I will have a flap, et cetera. So and that's options- actually... Yeah, that's actually something that's not really talked about is you don't have to do that right away. Correct. And I think so many women, they're so traumatized when they get the cancer diagnosis and they're trying to figure out what do I do that sometimes they're just on autopilot. And that's why I think having a counselor in as the same person as your doctor really to know like, okay, what do you want to do? And if you're not ready to do this, yes, you can delay it because insurance will pay for it even years later, which is something, I mean, our, our medical insurance system is definitely messed up, but that is one good thing that I really appreciate. Yes, this is true. And there are some, there are women who choose immediate reconstruction because you're, you're right. There's so, it's so, it's such a heavy Um, experience. It's such a heavy diagnosis that they just want to feel whole as soon as possible. And perhaps Mm -hmm. looking at these scars from the mastectomy or even the lumpectomy would just be a really difficult reminder that, oh my gosh, I actually am going through this. So I do understand um, why many women choose immediate reconstruction, but there is an option to wait and there is an option to be still with everything and allow your body to heal and really reset the mindset mm-hmm. and then really take the time and the, and the energy to meet with your surgeons, with your psychologist, with your nutritionist, with your spiritual healers, with your family to really help determine how you wish to move forward and proceed. I think that is an important time if women choose to take it. Oh, 100%. And thank you for that. And now I kind of want to dig into so many other things on your website that I was looking through it. I was like, okay, there's that and there's that and there's that, (laughs) but it's, I really appreciate the time and the, the effort you've put in because you want to give your patients a really well-rounded experience. And one of the things that I struck me, first of all, was the books. You have all these books on there that have really impacted you. And I'm a reader. I I have a, I have a Kindle and I read on my iPad, but I still love actual books and I have stacks of books, especially I'm so fortunate this year 
past year to have read so many books from amazing individuals who've gone through cancer diagnoses, written a book about it and talked about things. And I'm actually in the process of writing my own book. Um, thank you. And, but it's, I think just being able to read a book and to know that you're not alone or for, or for self-help and other things like that. Now you have a lot of books on there that you recommend. What is something that you feel might be the number one book you'd recommend to my main audience, which is women who've gone through a cancer diagnosis? Wow. Well, I first have to tell you that regarding that website, I, I got to a point in, it's actually probably my third or fourth website. It's a reiteration of a reiteration of my practice <laughs> website. And I, I just got to a, a point in my practice where I thought, okay, I know this is going to seem like a lot, right? I'm talking about books. I'm talking about recipes. I'm talking about detox. I'm talking about plastic surgery operations. I'm talking about injectables. What is this lady doing? But I, I, but I just didn't want to be the technician. I really wanted to show people that I am talking the talk and walking the walk and that I am very enthusiastic about having someone have this holistic experience. So I added the books because I was thinking, well, what are some of the things that have helped me through difficult times? And some of those things, to your point, Michelle, has been, you know, it has included reading and the one book that I must say has had a tremendous impact on me, there are actually two, but one that I will um, mention now is The Untethered Soul. Mm. And initially it was a difficult read. I was thinking, where is this person coming from? I don't <laughs> get it. I just don't get it. Why would my soul be untethered? I mean, why? And then the further I read into the book, it was almost as if I was exhaling with each chapter. Um, and, and it's it, it is initially a difficult read and then what it asks of you and then what it teaches you about acceptance and being in the present moment and truly um, untethering from your attachments, super difficult to do, but something that I try to remember every day. It is incredibly difficult. And yeah. especially when you, when you mentioned acceptance, because oh. myself and those who've gone through any kind of a cancer diagnosis, it is a trauma. And hopefully you come out on the other side or you're at a point where your, your cancer is being managed, but looking, looking too far ahead and what, what is the future going to bring and this and that, yeah. it just can bring so much anxiety and I, as I've, as I've aged, I, my anxiety has like gone up with me, unfortunately, because, and there's so much going on in the world, but being able to figure out a place where you're truly accepting of your own self and you, you like where you're at and you, you, you love yourself, which is, you know, you always hear, you cannot love others until you love yourself and yeah. accepting of where you're at is super important in that. Agreed. And you don't have to like the diagnosis. You don't have to accept the diagnosis, but you do have to accept where you are, with whom you are, with what you are at the time that you are. And Definitely. It, it's, it's a, I'm a work in progress. Uh, I mean, you're not alone with the anxiety. I wake up some days just like not only ready to go, but full of anxiety. And I don't know what happened in my sleep to make me wake up with anxiety. So uh, you are not alone. And I think that is another important message that we are, we are one race. We are the human race. And as women, we need to support each other. We are our tribe. Mm -hmm. 100%. At, at Breast Friends, we, we definitely hear women quite often saying they found their tribe because, and in the most wonderful way possible. And we understanding that others get it. They see you, they feel yes. you. Yes. And that, that is definitely what Breast Friends is all about to making sure that women aren't going through this alone. And yourself in your practice, you are doing it as well, because in a sense for women, they're coming to you because they want to change or they feel improve or whatever their reasons are, you are there with them. So you become part of their tribe. And I am so honored to be part of that journey with my patients who just frankly, just want to feel better. And however that manifests, whether it's through injections or surgery or just having a conversation about what to anticipate or, you know, age management, whatever form that takes. I'm grateful to be able to have that discussion with someone who can often be in a very vulnerable place. Right. So, yeah. 
I, it's, I try it's to funny. I've, I've always joked that, you know, plastic surgery is not for me, but as I age, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the top of my <laughs> eyes lifted and I'm, I'm going to get my neck worked on because there's these lines. I don't know where they came from, where did they come from? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not like, right. I'm not, and you know, my, the rest of my body is what it is. I can work on it. I cannot work on it, but darn, I can't do anything <laughs> with my neck. <laughs> so I can definitely feel why people come in there. Um, and going back to some of the other things you do, you have a, a for-profit enterprise, but it's called beauty for empowerment, which is focused on creating, I'm going to read this till I get it right. Vocational, educational, and wellness opportunities for underprivileged women worldwide. So tell us about that and how that got started, please. That is still an aspiration. And oh my goodness, that started many years ago. Uh, there was a woman who actually started in an organization called Fashion for Development, and it was about creating fashion opportunities or in the fashion industry in underdeveloped uh, countries. And that was extremely successful. And so I helped her sort of co-found that. And um, But I was thinking to myself, okay, I, I love fashion, but I'm not exactly a fashionable person. I'm <laughs> so this is not really my lane, but beauty, I know beauty. And mm -hmm. so to be able to maintain the sort of um, altruism or the philanthropic um, portion of that and, and to just get to work, to try to help to make the world a better place, I came up with beauty for empowerment because I realized that beauty is empowering. And it's interesting that in some countries that if beauty is taken away that some people feel that that disempowers women. And one of the first projects that I actually never, that never came to pass because I was advised that it was too dangerous for me was the acid burn victims. Mm. And there's, mm, there are some countries mm. where if women disobey, right. That they have acid thrown in their faces as a punishment and it's disfiguring. It's, it's uh, my God, it's, so many heinous It's horrific. Things. Yes. It's horrific. And, but it had me think it was like, huh? So not a beating, not a lashing, not jail, but disfigurement through throwing by throwing acid mm -hmm. on a woman's face. So I surmise that if people felt that they could take away a woman's beauty, which little do they know comes from the inside, of mm -hmm. course, if they could take away a woman's physical beauty, they thought they could disarm her would disempower her, but that is so not the case. So the original project, which unfortunately, which I may, you know, resume, but it never came to pass, unfortunately, was to be able to take some of these, bring some of these acid burn uh, victims to the United States and perform, raise funds to be able to perform mm -hmm. their reconstruction for free without charge to them, at least. Well, I, I love that. And um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a point where you do get that up and running. So please let me know so we so. can we can promote that and hopefully get some additional funding for you because thank you. That is, um, uh, it, there's, there's a lot of awful things in the world, but there are amazing people like you who really want to make it a better place. I'm trying. Thank you. And one of the things which I thought was fabulous, which you do, you actually have a mobile beauty service. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Michelle, this came out of the pandemic and, you know, mm -hmm. I hate to attribute so many things to the pandemic, but this came out of the pandemic. It changed our lives a lot. Changed <laughs> our lives a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, I had always performed house calls. I've been in practice about 15 years, so maybe 16 now. I had always performed house calls, but during the pandemic, I thought, okay, I obviously have to do things differently here because I'm not working. And that was a whole mental situation mm -hmm. for me. <laughs> I'm not working. Uh, my patients aren't coming out. I'm not going out, but people still want things done. And maybe a little tweak here and there would help, um, help people to feel better. So how can I do this differently? How can I improve on my, the, the old model? And so I thought, oh, okay, there's dog grooming trucks. There's taco trucks. There are food trucks. There are do your laundry trucks. Why can't they be, why can't there be a mobile aesthetics truck. And so Jet Set Beauty RX had always been the name of my house calls, but now I took it to the next level. And so Jet Set Beauty RX is a mobile aesthetics unit. I drive to your home, your hotel, wherever <laughs> mm -hmm. you are, rather than my going into your home, rather than you having to take public transportation, a bus, a subway, drive yourself to my mm -hmm. office. 
I come to you. I bring my office to you. You step into the van, protocols, disinfection, clean, safe, et cetera. You get in the surgical chair, surgical lighting overhead, and you get your procedure. Swipe out, you know, electronically, and you are out the door. I love that. (laughs) I'm I'm, home. I'm picturing the the mobile surgery station that they have on Grey's Anatomy or or (laughs) Station 19, and you in there with your with your coat and your stethoscopes. (laughs) I don't do surgery in there, but I do do Mm -hmm. a lot of the procedures that I normally would do in my office, such as injectables and the peels and the vitamin infusions, etc. I love that. Fabulous. Gosh, we are almost out of time. We could talk all day. So I want to know two things. your recommendation for someone who's considering any kind of plastic surgery, just really quick, um, and then how they can find you. Well, I thank you very much. Well, you can find me either on jetsetbeautyrx.com or my practice website is elementsandgraces.com. And for anyone who is considering a breast reconstruction options, I obviously would have them discuss with their plastic surgeon first, whom they would recommend for as a breast cancer specialist and as a breast reconstruction specialist. And there are also plenty of resources online, American Cancer uh, you know, Society, plasticsurgery.org, et cetera. There are lots of resources online where patients may get information. But I think that because there's so much information online, the conversation really must begin with one's plastic surgeon. Yeah, it can be incredibly overwhelming, but thank you for all this wonderful advice. And one thing that we didn't get to talk about, I'm sorry, is your podcast. So Ah. you host a Forever Fab beauty podcast. Is that correct? Actually, Forever Fab, the fab is an acronym for fashion, the art of living well, which is wellness and beauty. So Forever Fab, we talk to lots of guests and we talk to them about how they would help others to live a fabulous life. And that obviously includes you, Michelle, because you are doing an amazing job helping others to live a fabulous life. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dr. Shirley, so much for being here. It has been a wonderful, wonderful getting to know you. Thank you. Listeners, if you need our services, please go to breastfriends.org. You can also make a donation there or by texting BF Radio to 41444. You can find our show on all available podcast platforms on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel and all 2022 episodes on the Breast Friends YouTube channel as well. If you would like to nominate yourself to be my guest or to share your story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.